Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Play Tessie. It is episode 22. That is the Willie Mo Pena episode, and I wanted to leave it at that, but Garrett Whitlock's the man, so we're giving it to him too. Coop is down for the count today. If you listen to lap- last episode, you knew that he got COVID the other day, and he is uh, he is COVIDed up. So this is the official podcast of Coop's COVID Grave, also known as the official Red Sox podcast of WEEI. WEI is the Red Sox radio network. Today, so you've got me, you got Sammy, you got Pat. Coop's here. He's just not going to talk. Coop's queuing things up for us, but uh, as I said, he's kind of dead. Uh, but we got fan questions today. A couple hours ago, we uh, we uh, put, put a tweet out there. We quote tweeted it. We asked the fans to submit some questions, get us some voicemails. I'm talking here, and Coop is just, he's coughing up along <laughs> in the back. Oh God! It's Coop good is having you. like a coughing, a coughing attack or something. I'm trying not yeah. to laugh. Are but. you? Are you muted? You can cough, dude. He's in the chat with us. He's just kind of like it sucks. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> he's yeah. He he's he's on. He's got a little hood on. He's got a GW sweatshirt on. I'm sad that that thing's going to be a little COVID infested for a week. But he, he's looking. He's looking good. He's raising high the buff and blue. Uh, but Sammy, Sammy, Pat, how are you guys doing today? Good man, uh, healthy. I-, I didn't realize how funny it was seeing someone cough with their audio off. It looks like I don't even know what it looks like. It's a bizarre look, but Coop just did it. I almost just lost my line laughing. But uh, to answer your question, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing good. Not a bad week. Yeah, Coop looked like he took about ten gut punches in a row right there. It wasn't a good. It wasn't a good sight right there. And this Body is what shots. it was like last episode too. Like we're. Coop, Coop was Coop did his best. He he got through the episode. He he was talking. He was doing things. It was great. But anytime he wasn't talking, he was just on silent, like hucking up shit in the back. It was it was a sight to see. But let's get right into this, boys. We got some fan questions. We got we got a good amount. Uh, if we don't get to yours, don't worry. Like we will be doing this again. We were really happy with the amount that we got. It was really cool to see the support from you guys. Uh, all you guys in the playpen big fans of us we're big fans of you guys so we appreciate you let's get it started first this comes from mike carp fan fan he wants to know and this was a good question would you be happy if the big three moves of the remaining offseason were extending bayo extending casas and then signing brandon woodruff presumably to like a one-on-one deal he says basically punting on 2024 uh let's go to sammy first what do you think sammy what do you what do you got for that So this is a really good question. One thing that needs to be mentioned is that Woodruff is out for 2024. So that would be a move for 2025. Great pitcher. Uh, Love Casas, love Bayo. I do hope they get extended. But if those are the three moves, it's essentially punting for a third consecutive year. I can't stomach that. So as happy as I'd be with those two being extended, uh, no. I would not be happy with it. I would be disappointed. It would be another long summer. And I think that I can speak for all Red Sox fans. We don't want to do that again. Yeah. um, I'm going to nerd out for one second. I know what surgery that I know what surgery Brandon Woodruff had. Um, It's not great. It's a pretty intense recovery and most people who get it don't return to overhead throwing granted 
he is obviously an exception. He has user experience. He has world-class rehab, PT, whatever. And I'm sure he'll come back fine. But I think if I were making a move where I was really going all in for 2025, which Brendan Woodruff healthy would be kind of knowing that if he if you told me right now he'll come back in 2025 exactly how he was in 2022 when he was fully healthy and he had a good year last year I would say absolutely um, I think because he's on the team in 25 doesn't necessarily mean you're in a great spot I think there's still a risk that comes with that and then on the other side of things you have plenty of time in my eyes to extend Bayo and Casas. I, I, I'm with Sammy. It's a no for me. Yeah, I no, I'm with you guys too. Just because, for the fir- first and foremost, if you make those three moves, and I love, I love each of those moves by himself, but none of those moves stops you from doing anything else. Like you extend, co- like any of those moves, it doesn't add a lot of payroll for 2024. I assume Woodruff's deal will probably be a, a lower salary in 24 and a higher salary moving forward, and Costas and Bayo wouldn't have high salary numbers. I just think Sox fans have seen this team. I don't want to say bottom out, but kind of kind of bottom out for long enough. And it's just, it's it's time to see this team make progress in the standings, get these young guys some experience playing competitive baseball in September. I think that's pretty important. All right. This next question is from SMB. He says, if you could take any of these players from the Dodgers and put them on the Red Sox now, which would it be? And he gives three options. One, fan favorite Mookie. Two, the young ace Yamamoto. Or three, the best player in the world, Shohei Otani. Sammy, what do you got? Sammy, take it. I got to think. Uh, no brainer. Otani, best player in the world. This is the one and only scenario where I'd be a little bit okay with the Red Sox, quote unquote, punting 2024 is if it meant getting Otani because you got him for 2025 and then a million years after that as a pitcher and a hitter. So, yeah, I will uh, confidently pick Otani with that. And I would say Yamamoto second, Mookie third, only third because the age difference, but all great players. Um, I'm really like teetering between Otani and Yamamoto. I The only thing that scares me about Otani is – durability in Yamamoto's 25. I'm going Yamamoto. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it fresh. Different answers. I'm going Yamamoto. I think he is as legit as legit can be. And I think that he will absolutely be like a perennial Cy Young contender. Maybe not this season, but I mean, he's nowhere even near his peak, which is crazy. I think he'll be, he might win one, but he'll be like a top five Cy Young guy for five, six years straight in my eyes. Okay, I'll go. And it's funny because sometimes like and we've done this in the past where you want to cover all the answers, but I'm I'm going with Mookie, like not even just to cover all the bases. I'm I'm undoing the curse. It's literally for the vibes. It's pure vibes. If the Red Sox got Mookie bets back. All of our problems would be solved, like all of a sudden you'd have like five of the top 50 prospects in baseball and they'd all be pitchers. They would just pop out of the ground if Mookie bets were back on the Red Sox. So. Yeah, wow. Mookie Betts. I, I like that one. Uh, Coop, do we want to queue up a voicemail? Yeah, let's uh, let's get it. Let's get a voicemail. PT crew, what's up? This is Jackson from Burlington. With all these Kenley Jansen trade rumors going around, I was wondering who you guys would feel more comfortable with moving forward as closer: Tanner Houck or Garrett, Garrett Whitlock. I love the idea of either of them moving into that role. And I'd love to hear your take. Love the show. Thanks, boys. That's Ooh. a good question. That's a good question. I want to I want to toss it to Pat. Pat, what do you got for this one? I might surprise some people. I think I like Garrett Whitlock better than I like Tanner Houck here. I think if you can limit the volume in which Garrett Whitlock throws, because normally he last year we saw it. He comes out two, three innings. He's down for two, three days. I think if you can limit him to one inning, he can really kind of let loose velo-wise and stuff-wise and just kind of empty the tank in one inning. I think his stuff would play absolutely fantastic in a closer role. 
that sinker, the change, I think everything plays very, very well. We've seen it over two, three, and two, three, four innings at times. I think if you told him, look, like this is the plan, you're going to the close role. We want you to prep, do your offseason work as if you're throwing 25 pitches max and see where we're at. I think his stuff would play. I think he'd be electric as a closer. And also, I think it helps his health big time. Just one inning, one inning, one inning. Let him have it. I think he would crush as a closer. Man, that's good. I'm really torn on this one. I think I'll pick Whitlock because I still think Hauk might be a starting pitcher, though it's not looking good. He's got the body type for it. I want to see him with Andrew Bailey, see if they can tweak anything. So, yeah, I'll go Whitlock. It's a good point you made, Pat, about the health. We've also seen Whitlock do it before in 2021. He was fine as the closer. So, yeah, that's my answer. Same reasons as you, Pat. I'll I'll differ a little bit. And I, this is a great question, Jackson. And I'll preface it by saying it's a good problem to have if you're, if you're debating between these two guys because we've seen both of them do it successfully. But I just can't. Like I want to see Whitlock throwing multiple innings, and I feel like that role is better suited for the middle of the game, coming in in the fifth if he can throw three. And we've seen Tanner Houck do it for an expended, extended period of time. That dude's got that dog mentality, that closer mentality. Like He's got that in his eyes when he pitches. I mean, do you guys remember when Whitlock... And like this was awesome, but when Whitlock closed out the wildcard game and... After he recorded the final out, he just kind of like stood there and was like, even though, no yeah, yeah, he like closed out the team that let him get picked in the rule five draft, like less like what, eight months ago or so. And he was just kind of standing there. It's like, and then Tanner Houck, when he's on the mound, he looks like he's ready to cut your head off. <laughs> so that kind of screams closer to me. I feel it's weird because I do still have hope for both in kind of any role. I feel like either of them could be a starter. I will never give up on Whitlock being a successful starter, even though I wouldn't go into the year with that as the plan. But yeah, I'll never give up on it. I think Tanner Houck uh, has got that mentality to be a closer, though. I think Whitlock has shown the ability to come in at any point in any game and throw as many innings as you kind of need him to. And I really like that about him. Uh, Real quick. Real quick. I'm going to go around those two choices. I think right now my in-house choice is Josh Winkowski. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I think of the two, Whitlock, I think of in-house options, I think I like Winkowski the best. I like that outside the box. And I I don't I don't I don't I don't want to say I agree, but I'm I don't I don't want to say it's a it's a good like I can picture Winkowski in that role too. And even though they kind of see him as a multi-inning guy and like I know he's obviously been a starter in the past, towards the end of last year when he went like out there for a second inning, I never felt, and I'd have to look up the numbers on this to see if it, if it's actually true or not. But I never felt that great about it when he came out for a second inning. Yeah. So him in that one inning role might be he might be better suited for that than people think. Uh, okay, I'll I'll get another. Uh, I forget if this was a DM or a or a comment, but Jack Alb says, "Why is everybody Why is everybody so concerned with the level of spending and not the bigger issue of acquiring talent? Spending money isn't necessarily the best route." Pat, what do you got on that? Yeah, I think I kind of touched on that. That was kind of my New Year's resolution. I think just because the Sox predominantly have had a high payroll the past 10, 15 years, I think there's kind of a misconception that they've always been this giant player, especially in the starting pitching market. Um, Their kind of forte has been, and I would argue should be, acquiring those young starting level or starting pitching I think those are the guys that end up doing really well here too. You see how they kind of adapt to Boston, to Fenway. Year or two in, if they have two, three years of control, that's when you approach them with a contract extension. We did it with Sale. We did it with Beckett. Um, I, I don't care how much you spend. I, 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 I don't give a shit. If you have a very good baseball team, I don't care how much you spend. And I think acquiring a young starting pitching talent is the perfect thing to do and it doesn't blow up the payroll so i'm not worried about spending i'm worried about making a good baseball roster so i actually am worried about spending and it's because i think spending and being good are correlated 
just look at the Texas Rangers. I believe they won under 70 games in 2022, put together a great team in 2023, won the World Series. So I know it's not required to be a good team to spend a lot of money, but it's a hell of a lot easier if you're willing to spend. So uh, I'm concerned about talent acquisition in every way. I talk about trades all the time, as you guys know. I think right now that's probably the best path the Red Sox have to acquire talent. But you got to spend money. When was the last time a, a true, true small market team won the World Series? I think the closest we've gotten, I guess the the Royals? Nationals, but even they they had to they hit the jackpot with Bryce Harper, Strasburg. Yeah, Royals, I guess. Royals would they be got, the they best bought, example. They bought Scherzer and they uh, they paid Corbin yeah. for that World Series. Like they spent some stuff. The Royals, they Harper didn't wasn't anything. on that team. Oh, it's true. Yeah, yeah it's true. Harper wasn't. Wasn't. That was yeah. Soto, not Harper. Yeah, you're right. Soto. Yeah, Soto. Um, but yeah, 2015, best example. That was years ago. So once once in a blue moon, a small market team will win. But the vast majority of World Series teams spent not the most money, but a lot of money. So I'm concerned about talent acquisition. Of course, I love the trades. It's like my favorite thing in the world when a big trade happens. It's thrilling. But you also have to spend. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there with you, Sammy. I and to back you, Pat, I do think right now the most important thing is acquiring talent in the areas that the organization needs. And blindly spending money is not gonna get you where you need to go. So yes, the most important thing right now, what was it? Jack. Jack, the most important thing right now is you're correct, it is acquiring talent and it doesn't matter how you get it. But that being said, I do think another question that the fans deservedly have right now is will they spend? Because when you spend money, not only do you raise your ceiling, but you extend the length of your window. So when these guys come up, when the, when this next wave of Red Sox prospects come up and they are cheap, controllable talent, I think Red Sox fans just want to know, will you supplement it? Like, will you add to that? Because that talent is going to get there. But the teams that win it all, like the Chicago Cubs, I'll always reference their World Series because they they built it perfectly. They brought the talent up. They had the Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras and all those guys. And then they supplemented it with John Lester and Jason Hayward wasn't that good, but you know he was a leader and he gave them production, I guess. like They supplemented the talent when it was ready. And I think Red Sox fans would be a little bit more relaxed if they knew for a fact that ownership would spend at some point. I think right now the reason people are so worked up about it is because no one really knows if it's ever going to happen at all. And to be clear, I mean smart spending like what Texas did. They needed a shortstop, they got Seager. They needed a second baseman, they got Simeon. Not talking about what the Padres or the Mets did before 2023. That was just collecting as much talent as possible, whether they fit or not, and it clearly didn't work. Smart spending. The John Lackey signing wasn't perfect, but it mattered, and it got them a title. Something like that. It doesn't even need to be the the Yamamoto's of the world or Soto next year. Good players that make sense. For example, Jordan Montgomery. Red Sox need innings. Red Sox need someone who could be atop the rotation. Maybe he's not an ace, but he... He fills a need. So that's to be clear. That's what I'm talking about when I mean spending. Yep. All right. Moving for the next one. Sean wants to know, he loves both Duran and Rafaela. He wants to know if we can see an outcome where both are there in center field and a corner outfield spot come the deadline. What do you got on that? Sammy, I'll uh, kick kick this one to you first. So he wants to know which players, if Duran and Rafaela are both going to be here. Yeah, he loves Duran and Rafael, and he wants to know if if there's if you see any scenario where they're both on the team in center and like in a corner outfield spot come the deadline. Come the deadline, I'm gonna go. I mean, I could see it happening, but if I had to guess, I would say one of those two is included in a trade for a starting pitcher before the season, let alone the deadline. So. Uh, it could happen, but my answer is no. I don't think it will happen. Uh, yeah, I think with the rumor of Teoscar Hernandez and 
factoring in the outfield options currently on the roster, I would argue that of like major league level talent, and we'll say Rafaela right now is major league level talent. Um, I think those two have the highest trade value. I think Duran, because of what he did last year, I think Rafaela, because of his positional versatility, and he's incredible defensively. Um, I think there's a chance, not a great chance, I think there's a chance that they both start in the Red Sox organization on opening day. I would be stunned if they are both still with the organization come whatever it is, July 30th, July 1st, whatever it is. Yeah, that's – I hate to say it because I, I know you love both players, but, I mean, you think about the way this this organization is aligned right now. You've got Duran, he's a center fielder. You've got Rafaela. His, obviously, he can play all over the place, but his greatest value is a center fielder. And I think the organization still hopes that Roman Anthony's going to be a center fielder. And what time – what better time to sell – on one of these center fielders when one of them is already an established big leader and the other one is knocking down the damn door. Like we saw what he did in AAA last year. Rafaela crushed it down there. And obviously he had his offensive struggles at the big league level, but there's definitely teams out there that value the guy. I just think that with the pitching need and with these reports that they're looking to add an outfielder to create a surplus to deal someone, I just think one of them is going to get dealt. Now, like if they could, if they wanted to, it's certainly possible to have them both there. Like Rafaela can be a utility guy if you want. Like obviously there was some talk about him maybe learning second base, but I think the addition of Grissom probably clouds that. But right now, if they don't add an outfielder, like he's going to compete for an outfield job. And so like un- until we see it, that's kind of where it stands. Like where do I think it's going to go? Yeah, I think he's. I think one of them is going to get traded, or I guess one of them plus Willier is going to get traded. Uh but I guess as it stands now, you never know. Coop, Coop, you there? Let's uh, let's kick it to another voicemail. If you're still with us, if you're alive, he is alive. Hey, what's up, guys? Wanted to know with the trades and the rumors and the possibilities that are out there that have been circulating with the Red Sox. What are each one of your individual rotations looking like for opening day for the Red Sox? Thanks again. All right, uh, let's uh, let's have Sammy kick this one off. Sammy, you got it. Okay, opening day rotation. I am going to go... So I think it's going to be a trade with Miami for the number one starter. Do, can I can I just say a trade with Miami? Or do I need to give like a specific name? No, give a name. Go Come on, you win right, the all name. Right. All right. Jesus Lazardo, number one. It's my pie in the sky. Uh, and then I, I don't really care about the order. But I'll go Bayo two, Giolito three, Crawford, Pavetta. So good rotation. I think it's not quite Yamamoto and Monty uh, preceding Bayo like people wishfully thought. But I think Lizardo and Giolito would be good adds to the rotation. And by the way, Cutter Crawford, uh, Gordo, you mentioned this recently, finally getting the love he deserves. So him I'm super, super excited for. The 2024 season. So that's uh that's my rotation. Go over real quick. Lazardo, Bayo, Giolito, Crawford, Pavetta. So Sammy having Jesus Lazardo was as guaranteed as the sun rising tomorrow. So I made it a point to leave him out of mine. <laughs> but I think mine is also relatively realistic. We're gonna go it's people might not love it, but I don't on paper necessarily hate it. I don't love it, but Bayo one, Imanaga two, oh. Giolito three, Cutter Crawford four, and I have us also making a trade with Miami, but for Eber Cabrera. Okay, you saved me at the end there. God, I don't. We'll talk about Imanaga at some point on this show. So, yeah. I'm just not. I'm not sold on him. But there's a there's a bag full of mystery with that rotation, dude. But. It's better than last year's. None would be... I mean, we'll see what Imanaga gets. The reports of him getting 100 is insane to me. But I don't know. I think on paper, it's definitely better than last year. And then I think it's it's like a, it's a safety rotation. You have five guys who can pitch. Pat, I had a, uh, a nice date with Benjamin Franklin last night and decided to watch 
some Edward Cabrera highlights from 2023. Good God, man. If that guy can figure out a way to control his pitches a little bit better, how, how do you hit that guy? I watched, uh, I I think it was against Oakland. So to, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but still I watched uh, some YouTuber uploaded. It was like every pitch from the first like three innings. He pitched that game. Jesus, once he figured out the strike zone, they couldn't even, they, they were yeah. no shot. Well, there's a, players like uh, Geloff were lost, so nasty. Yeah, there's a video of him on uh, Pitching Ninja. He throws a 95 mile an hour changeup with 16 <laughs> inches of internal, of inside break. Who the hell does that? Stop <laughs> it. 95 mile an hour changeup? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, get that's him. Like, that's like the, that's like Yoan Duran from the twins that's like what he does yeah except except he starts and throws that for like six innings yeah oh, man he's talented right. that cabrera kid I, I like that nobody's really talked about him too much but cabrera nasty we're, we're gonna talk about it a little bit more because i made two rotations i made the one that i want and the one that i think the one that i want and i kept it within i kept them all within reason i'm not saying like like this oh they're cheating. gonna cheating yeah throwing the flag whatever I'm I'm giving you the one I want, but my real answer is the one that I think. The one that I want, okay. and and Bale's going to start opening damn both of these because I think he's earned it. Bale one, Lazardo two, Giolito three, re-sign Paxton to be your four. Cutter Crawford is in the rotation as your five. I love Lazardo. Do I think the Red Sox are going to be able to muster up what it's going to take to get that deal done? Like I think the Marlins should hold out for one of the Red Sox big three prospects, and I don't think the Red Sox will be or honestly should be willing to part with one of those guys right now. I just don't think the organization is in that spot. Uh, I go back and forth on it, but that's that's where I'm at right now. The rotation that I think, Bale 1, Giolito 2, Pavetta is the 3. They trade for Edward Cabrera to be the 4 and Cutter's the 5. So I think that rotation is not what Red Sox fans are going to want for 2024. Like I love Edward Cabrera, and I I was obviously a, a proponent of signing Giolito, but I think a lot of us would have wanted more. Like I think the goal was let's get two starters that are better than Brian Bayo, and in this scenario, I don't think they necessarily got any starters that are better than Brian Bayo. But I just think that to this point in, in the uh, in the offseason, the Sox have shown us based on the moves that they've made, trading rentals, trading Chris Sale for a young guy with a lot of upside. I think they've shown us that their vision is not just 2024 their vision is is beyond they're not going to cave to fan pressure they're going to do what they think is is for the best of the overall health of the organization i think getting edward cabrera who's got five more years of control and unlimited upside i think they could see that as as something that'd be good for the team and i know that they've had those discussions with miami in the past and i know that they like edward cabrera so yeah i'm going to i'm going to leave it at that i think I think Edward Cabrera so is the most realistic addition. It's Bayo, Giolito, Pavetta, Edward, Crawford? Yep. I think Crawford's okay. in the rotation regardless, but in my ideal scenario, I've got them trading Pavetta. He can go back to Miami in uh, in the Luzardo deal. That is in my dreams. But, <laughs> I, but think that's I think the they most, end up... I the most realistic, Gordo. I'll give you the... Yeah. Uh, most realistic award. I, I think to be clear about Lizardo, <laughs> I understand it's unlikely, but let a man dream. I agree. I agree because he, I mean, we've talked about him before. Like that guy, he's already as it stands, like I would say a number two slash functional ace. Like he's already there. And yeah. if he does, if he puts up that season again, you might even already want to have the conversation of a number one. I mean, his strikeout to walk is insane. I mean, the guy can stay on the field. I know he's had his health issues in the past, but he put together a fully healthy season last year. So, I I mean, God, what's not to like? And we know they're willing to trade him because uh, Rosenthal had that report earlier in the offseason yep. that they offered him up for Pascantino. So, I think that's why you hear about him so much. I think you should. I think there's two teams that are the best fits for him, and it would be the Red Sox and the Orioles. Ooh. And we're just going to see which one of those teams is willing to actually give up what it's going to take to get a guy with three years of control like that. You froze there, Guadalajara. What, two teams? Sox and Orioles, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to... Sammy, I'm going to throw a couple of uh, rapid-fire ones at you. This is from Seb. All right? First, 
Sammy, these, these are all for Sammy. I'm sorry, Pat, and, and sorry to myself, too. We don't get to answer these ones. Sammy, are you a Russian agent? Uh, no, but I am of Russian descent. Okay. Uh, Sammy, uh, are you on the Epstein flight log? Uh, not that I know of. I hope not. Yeah, that's a lot that of pages to read through. That was denial. No, I'm I not. Mean, are, isn't it like a thousand pages of reading? Like, it's not like a list yeah, of names. I, it's like a literal book. I scrolled I heard, it last it night. There was no that, uh, no new names. Is Stephen Hawking really on it, or was that <laughs> no? Oh, he's no. not. Oh, I thought that was real. No. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no, I, I scrolled through it last night because I had nothing better to do. Um, I do oh. love spreading misinformation. Oh my god! All right, next one, Sammy. Are you an alpha alpha male or a beta male? <laughs> oh, total alpha, bro. I'm a child. Beta boy. <laughs> And uh, last one from Seb here, Sammy. And I could probably answer this, but I'm going to let you do it. Are you a ginger? Ginger? No. <laughs> Am I a ginger? <laughs> Here's my oh, hair. Luscious locks in there, and it's brown. It's not, it is not red. And I don't think you have freckles, although I don't know. I can't really. I got a few, I don't, yeah, a little, few freckles, but no, my hair, is, uh, my hair is brown or dirty blonde. It's also wet. I just showered before this show, so it looks a little darker, but uh no, not a ginger. That's, that's so okay. funny. Good to confirm that. Good to confirm that. Uh, next, this is uh, from our good pal Ed Hand. He wants to know our favorite between the margins move of the offseason so far. So he doesn't want to hear the sale trade or Grissom. He doesn't want to hear Verdugo. Curious. Uh, let's have Sammy just answered a few. So Pat, what is your favorite under the radar move so far this offseason? I'm going to go with Isaiah Campbell. Ooh, same with Coop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think he showed enough in Seattle. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think... <laughs> no. Technical difference. All right. Um, I think he showed enough in Seattle where it's... I think it was 1220-ish. It was right around 20, if not a little bit lower. But um, he, I think he showed enough in Seattle there where there's something there that can play at the major league level. And I think he has a legit shot of being in that bullpen. It costed you a guy who you were going to non-tender. If he even turns into a fifth, sixth inning guy with a four ERA, four and a half ERA, he has seven years of team control. I... I think that's a very underrated move because it came so early and it was kind of a non-tender guy being traded for some no-name prospect. But I like the upside there. I think he'll actually play a role this year with that team. I like it. Uh, Mine is going to be Roberto Perez, and I'll tell you why. Do you gentlemen remember Jorge Alfaro? I, I do. I, I vaguely remember him throwing a ball all the way to the center field wall. That While happened. playing catcher. While playing catcher. Yeah. Yes. So that's why uh, Perez is my choice. If Wong or Maguire, God forbid, goes down with an injury, you at the very least have Roberto Perez in AAA, two-time gold glove winner, I believe, at least one. But he's a good defensive catcher. The bat is bad. We know that but at least you'll have a capable body behind the dish if things go wrong. So a little weird answer, but that's my that's my pick. I like this because we are all picking under the radar moves and we didn't discuss these answers before the show, but we're all going to pick different ones. I'm going to go with the Justin Slayton move, the under the radar Ooh. trade with the Mets after the Rule 5 draft. So technically Justin Slayton, he's got the Rule 5 restrictions, so they have to keep him in the majors for, I believe, 90 days, and then you can IL him if you want. But, I mean, I, it doesn't sound like that's going to be the plan. If Bre- Breslow said they think they see this guy as a late-inning reliever. So we all saw how valuable it was getting Whitlock a late-inning reliever from the Rule 5 draft back in 2021. If they could get even 30% of the value that Whitlock gave that year out of Justin Slayton, that is going to be... Potentially, I don't want to say the pick of the Rule 5 draft because the Mets are the team that picked them, but it, it'll be the move of the Rule 5 draft if that one pans out the way it sounds like the Red Sox think it will. Coop, are you there? Can we get another voicemail? He's busy cleaning up Isaiah Campbell's belly button soup. 
Oh, he's back. Hey, man. My name's Seamus. I'm from California. I'm 17. Big Red Sox fan. Big fans of the show. Uh, my question was about Shoto Imanaga. Uh, I'm really high at Imanaga. You know, he's some of the best stuff in the world. But he gives up a lot of homers, but nobody's really on base when those homers are given up. But I think he can, you know, limit the damage in the MLB. I think a lot of people are underrating him. Uh, I think he could be a really good middle of the rotation starter and end up being one of the more underpaid starters in baseball. My question was, what are your guys' thoughts on Shoto Imanaga? And maybe um, Shoto Imanaga to the Red Sox. Thanks, guys. All right, I'm letting Sammy take this one first. This is a Sammy question first. So with Imanaga, I think he'll be okay in the majors. His fly ball rate is just its terrifying. And I know he plays in a tiny ballpark, and you can make the argument that he gives up the home runs when people aren't on base. But, I mean, you want that guy at Fenway, that fly ball rate, especially against a righty? He's a left-handed pitcher? Ooh, I don't know. It's just, it's too, like Pat said, we've already got a lot of question marks. I'd rather just get Montgomery or trade for Lazardo. Too risky for me. I think if you're a team like, like the Dodgers or even the Yankees, maybe, maybe that's not a good example, but the Dodgers or Houston, a team that already has a really good rotation that's looking for a back-end guy with some upside, that makes more sense. Even a team like the Orioles with a big ballpark that could maybe deal with the fly balls makes sense. But with the Red Sox, you really need an ace or a functional ace, as we like to say on the show. I just don't think Imanaga is the guy. He, he gives me freaky, freaky vibes. But great uh, nickname, the Throwing Philosopher. That's fun. So maybe. Uh, I kinda, I'll answer this in two parts. I'll answer it in terms of how I think Imanaga translates, and I'll answer it in terms of fit with the Sox. Um, I think that no matter where you are, what league you play in, strikes or strikes. This guy is like upper echelon strike thrower, and he's calculated. He locates. He has good movement on his pitches. I think when he comes over to the majors, he might struggle at first. But, yeah, I think he kind of falls into like that three or four in the in anyone's rotation. But I think he'll be like a reliable arm. I do think that pending health, he will be a kind of every time he goes out, he'll give you five, six good innings. He might still struggle with the long ball, but I, I don't think he's going to come over here and be like an incredible bust. I think he'll be a low fours, high threes kind of guy. He's already 31, so you got to think maybe you get three good years out of him. But I think translation-wise, I think that's probably the best way to – think of him is a really good three for the next couple of years or maybe a really good four um in terms of the socks fit i and again we like it's stupid to say it because we harp on them for like giving a shit about spending um i if that 100 million if that's legit i'm out i think there's always a risk for the guys coming over i think he will translate i do but I think for a team like the Red Sox that is so desperate for reliable starting pitching, if that $100 million is the actual number, I think that's way too big of a uh, gamble that could hamstring you for the next, whatever it is, four or five years of that contract. But yeah, I think even I go be good or a little above average or average in the MLB. And Red Sox-wise, I think it depends on price tag. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. It's all it's all dependent on the price because Rosenthal referenced like the Kikuchi contract as like something a pitcher like Imanaga would get in the past, and Kikuchi ended up I think with like fifty somewhere between like forty five and fifty five million from Seattle at the time. If you get a deal like that for a guy that you think is gonna you know hit the hit his ceiling as a three, by all means. But I just I have a tough time in my head justifying giving a hundred million dollars for a guy who I think ceiling is a three just because I don't think we've seen enough evidence that this ownership is going to be willing to spend beyond it. Like, are they going to say that this contract that, Oh, we gave out a hundred mil to a pitcher last year and it's, and it's going all right. If they're going to say stuff like that, it's going to, it's going to be tough to see how this team gets their ace. And I don't think too many, think Imanaga is going to be that ace. I know that he played in a very 
hitter friendly ballpark last year, and that might have contributed. Voicemail time. Cue it up, COVID Coop. Appreciate I think the COVID the got him. One thing I'm a little bit nervous about going into this season is the leadership in the clubhouse. Obviously, not you know too confident in Justin Turner resigning, Chris Sale just getting traded. I feel like there's a lack of leadership and veteran presence in this uh, clubhouse this next season, uh, especially in the rotation now that Chris Sale is out of it. The lack of mentorship, uh, the lack of experience. Um, you know, you can say Giolito could maybe fill in that role. You know, I'm kind of nervous about that with him on a one-year deal. You know, obviously, Sale had a big influence in multiple guys' uh, careers, whether, you know, helping them, you know, through struggling times or giving them advice, uh, especially the younger guys. And I feel like, you know, guys like Brian Bayo, Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock, still could, could use that mentorship from a veteran presence in the clubhouse or, you know, mainly a pitcher. So curious your guys' thoughts on, how that could potentially impact the team this next season if they don't have a leader like a Justin Turner or, uh, you know, who that could potentially be, who could step up and be that player. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Trevor Story, maybe. Obviously, he's doing that offseason uh, sort of thing this this offseason with some of the infielders. Uh, Rafael Devers, obviously, on a extension. But, you know, both guys haven't really stepped up in the past as those type of leaders, those front-facing leaders like we saw Justin Turner do this past year so. Let me know your thoughts. Gordo, you want to take this? Yeah, yeah, I'll go first on this one. I've been thinking about this one because every time I hear that they haven't called Justin Turner, they don't think Justin Turner's coming back. Like, I always wonder where the hell that leadership's going to come from. And now you you trade Chris Sale, and that's the leader of the rotation. So now you're, you're losing your leader of the bats. You're losing your leader of the starters. And now we're hearing about a potential Kenley Jansen trade. You're going to lose your, your leader of the bullpen. So that is a ton of leadership out the door. It's it's a concern. I can't give you an exact answer on how to replace it. Like I think Trevor Story is going to do his best, but I don't think he's necessarily been that guy in the past. So I don't think you can just say Trevor Story is going to be that guy. I don't know if there's any. I mean, you would love Devers to become that, but I I don't know if that's in his personality. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know if I have an answer to this. What do you got, Pat? Yeah, um, all the guys he mentioned were the guys that immediately came to head when he start came to my head when he started the question. I think that there definitely has to be a massive step up in terms of vocal leadership, whether it be to the press and the microphone or the clubhouse from Rafi's standpoint. You, we paid you as we they paid you as the cornerstone. You're the face of the franchise right now. And that comes with more than just producing. We saw it with Poppy Granted, Poppy was never, you know, two, three hundred million dollar contract, but he was the longest tenured for a bit. He stepped up. He was vocal. He led the team. Rafi needs to take that step one hundred percent in my eyes. Um, I think story. I think behind the scenes in the clubhouse, he is so well respected by this team. All the young guys, all the other vets. Um, what the infield boot camp thing that he's doing. Um, I think he is naturally taking a step forward. Like, I don't think he's taking it in a way where he goes, All right, like, I need to step up. I think this is him truly being like, okay, I'm going to be here for a while. I'm going to help these guys out. I got to step it up. I'm going to help everyone out. Awesome. Love that. Giolito, granted, it might only be for one year. But in his presser, he said mentoring the young guys, helping out the guys develop pitches, work on mechanics, work, everything. He said that's so important to him. So I think that does help with guys like Bayo, Hauk, Whitlock, all those guys. And yeah, I think those are the big three that need to step up. And in terms of Kenley, I hope they don't move him. I think he's the most valuable leader in that clubhouse. He's won a ring. He's been there, done that. And yeah, they, they need leadership bad. Yeah, and Coop, Coop in the chat, bravely Coop in the chat, says, is Core a fair answer even though he's the manager? I think that's a fair answer. You've got one of the better managers in baseball. I think that's yeah. valuable. But obviously him being on an expiring contract adds a little bit of uncertainty there, and who the hell knows how that storyline is going to go this year. Uh, we've got a few more DMs, but I want to get to another voicemail uh, before we get there. So Coop, play that, la- play that voicemail, and uh, then we'll get to a few DMs. Before we, uh, before we, gentlemen, start. hello. This is Mike, the maker of signs, father of Nomar Garcia Puppers. <laughs> I just want to know 
if all of the MLB mascots were in a battle royale, who's coming out on top, Hunger Games style? See ya. Ooh. <laughs> all right, I've, I've got an obvious answer for this one for me. Mine's Orbit from the Astros. That guy is the ultimate troll king. Like he has been getting guys on the field for years. That that guy is he. I don't know if he's the best mascot from like a appearance standpoint, but from a personality standpoint, like that guy comes out on top every time. No, no, Ooh. no, no, no. Let me tell you who's gonna win the fight. This is the easiest question of all time. Dinger from the Rockies, who's a Triceratops, whose biggest enemy, literally, is the T Rex. And these things would fight T-Rex and sometimes kill them in real life. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the the school bus-sized dinosaur dinger in a complete bloodbath blowout. Just to, imagine Mr. Met and his giant head trying to beat up Dinger. Dinger puts a horn through him, done, dead. So, yeah, great question, by the way. <laughs> Mr. Met is the first one out. Let's let's make that clear. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Met and his wife are the first ones dead. Those heads are huge. That's the biggest target of all time. He's out. Easy. What's the Reds mascot? Don't the Reds also have a... Yeah, uh, it's Mr. Met with a, with a handlebar mustache. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is... Why does this guy not get more credit than Mr. Met? This is much cooler looking. All right, anyway. Yeah, My- Dinger from the Rockies smokes the competition. Sorry, Gordo. So, Pat, I don't even know who you're picking. They got no shot against Dinger, though. That's my pick in a blowout. Mine is Slugger, the Royals mascot. Giant lion with opposable thumbs. Dead. All of them. Dead. Mate, good contender, but Dinger. I'm hopping in just to say Bloopy. I can't believe none of you guys said Bloopy. <laughs> He's just causing like mayhem on Twitter all the time. That. That man lives for the streets. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna, <laughs> he's he's gonna clap everyone. All right, I'm. Feeling- um, no, wait, Coop. Haven't you ever seen those videos where like uh, an MMA fighter invites an internet troll into the gym and is like, "Oh, you think you're tough? Here's your chance to prove it." And then they just beat the crap out of the trolls. That's Blooper. Blooper's gonna do that. Dinger's gonna be like, "Yeah, you want to talk shit? Okay." Coming to no, I have faith in Bloopy's from the A. If you're down in the A, you know how to you know how to throw down. Yeah, but Dinger is from the C, the Cretaceous period. He does That's not fair. care. That's fair. <laughs> All, All right, right gentlemen, I'm going back to my uh, quarantine. We're we're gonna rapid fire the hell out of these last few because I gotta run soon. So pick it. Go. All right. Uh, one word, just give me the answer. Who is the free agent you would least like the Red Sox to sign? Sammy, you go first. Stroman. Pat, Michael Lorenzo. Got? Mine, Lorenzo. Is also, mine is also Marcus Stroman. Not a fan. Sammy, I knew you were going to say that Trevor, too. Trevor Bauer. We, I think we all also don't want Trevor Bauer, but that, that's a boring That doesn't answer. even count. That, yeah, it yeah. doesn't even count. Uh, okay. Uh, Sammy, this, is just one, this one's just going to be for you. Uh, this is all, that, was, that all was from Ed Hand, by the way, and this one is also from Ed Hand. It says, why does Sammy, the most powerful of the play Tessie boys, not simply eat the others and take over the show? Sammy, I'm going to let you answer this one. I don't, I don't think I have an answer. Pat, I don't think you have an answer. I, I want to hear what you have to say, Sammy. Uh, I have to watch my figure, and I'm also afraid that uh, Pat, he's very muscular. On the off chance he lands a big punch, uh, I'm out. So, yeah, I don't want to take any chances. Okay, and uh, this one comes from Teddy. What is one improvement you'd make to Fenway Park, assuming money isn't an issue? Oh, shout out Teddy and Emily. Um, my big change I would make to Fenway is I would get rid of the scoreboard in center field, get rid of the smaller scoreboard uh, that's next to it, to the left, and replace it with a New England Patriots Gillette Stadium style gigantic scoreboard and just modernize center field at Fenway. Uh, but hopefully, the Red Sox do better than the Patriots if that happens. Pat, you got anything for this? Yeah, I got a quick one. I, I put a little cushion on the seats. I like that. Well, right, right, <laughs> right, right field grandstand, dude. My my butt goes numb by like the fourth inning. I'm like, shit. Just like adjusting the whole time. Do more my, cushions. Cushions. My, mine is uh, improving the food. I, I think so many of these other Ooh. ballparks have signature I don't want to say dishes because that's not the right word, but they have signature foods that they 
that they sell to fans. I mean, you see you see it all over the all over the country. But Fenway Park, as great as it is, just doesn't have the food uh, that I would like to see. But last last one, and I'm, I'm again, we're we're really sorry if we didn't get to yours, but we're gonna do this again. So just next time we do it, send your question. I'm sure we'll get it on next time. But this one's from Murph. He uh, sent it in the DMs. All right. He wants to know when the Sox are getting some pitching prospects. After Brian Bayo, he thinks it's running dry. He wants to know when we're getting pitching prospects. What, what do we got for that? All right. I'll go first real quick. Um, I think that the hitting pool in the minors and the young major leaguers is so, so incredibly deep. Um, I would be absolutely stunned if Breslow does not prioritize pitching the next at least two drafts. I think he has an eye for talent. I think we address it through the draft. Yeah, I agree with Pat. I think he's off to a good start with Richard Fitz, but it's, it's totally accurate. I think the top, quote-unquote, top two pitchers in the system, Perales and Gonzalez, I'm not even convinced that they're starters. Uh, I think Perales especially, smaller guy, big effort in his delivery, looks more like a closer, or reliever, hopefully a closer. Wickelman's got a weird kind of wonky windup, also a lot of effort in his delivery. So not convinced either is a starting pitcher. Fitz, I think, is your best bet as a starter. And I think that barring a maybe a Kenley Jansen trade, I think the pitching enters the system starting this year in the draft. Yeah, I agree. I think you're going to see it from Breslow's moves. I think he's going to try to trade and add pitching depth, which he's already done. And I think he's going to prioritize in the draft. You got to give him a couple of years to do this. Like this is going to be not a one-year process. This is going to be a several-year process. Uh, Pat, last for you before we get out of here. This one's just for Pat. Uh, this is also from Murph. Where exactly were you when you first sobbed your eyes out to Louis Capaldi's new extended album? Was it in your car or in bed? Okay, so quick background here. Uh, Murph has been my friend for 20-plus years. He's not a stalker. Um, we were talking about this album earlier. So funny enough, um, I was actually cooking and the album came on and I was like, oh, I remember this song. Halfway through, I was like, this is depressing as shit. And I had to like rewind it, listen again. So I was cooking. I did not sob my face off, but I mean, felt felt my chest get heavy. But yeah, I was cooking in the kitchen and it was beyond unexpected when it came on. So yeah. Who? Whose album? Louis Capaldi. Yeah, I don't know how that is. Uh, I got to look it up. Somebody you loved. You've heard it before. Do you want to sing it? Do you want to sing it, Pat? Yeah, sing it. And that's it. We're out of time. Uh (laughs) (laughs) thank you all for listening to Play Tessie. This has been an awesome questionnaire or questions episode with uh, Sammy and Pat and myself, Gordo. I'm looking at Koopy's clapping. Just remember, subscribe wherever you're listening. I don't if it's Apple, Spotify, Odyssey app, Google. I don't care. Subscribe. It helps us out a ton. You'll get a notification every time we drop an episode. Rob, uh, when you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday now. Rob dropped a a quickie on Kenley Jansen on the feed, and uh, that was awesome. So after you're done listening to this, give a listen to that. But this has been a lot of fun. We're definitely going to do this one again. I think I speak for all of us when I say we're definitely going to do this one again. I loved it. So uh, for for COVID Coop, for, for Sammy, for Pat, this has been Gordo. Play Tessie, episode 22. Toodaloo. Chris Murphy.